What we were just experiencing there was just a little foretaste of encountering Jesus, encountering the Holy Spirit. And this is something that has been kind of burning on me for probably, well, since at least Christmas, but probably around about six months. So you're just going to get a big splurge today of of what I just feel God wants to do among us in this season. And the word is encounter. Now, Keith, I, I shouldn't have told Keith earlier because he's been stealing it all meeting now. <laughs> and so what we're going to do, I'm going to start with, I think I'm quite loud. Am I, is that better? I'm going to start with a, with a quote from an internationally renowned preacher. From last week, Alan was saying, we don't want a meeting, we want an encounter with Jesus. And, and, and very much what I'm saying today, I felt he laid a foundation for that last week. That I want to pick up on several things. This is one of the things that Alan said last week. Now in the Bible, we have lots of stories of individuals encountering Jesus or encountering the Holy Spirit or encountering God in different ways. You can think of Jacob with his dream of angels going up and down to heaven and then wrestling with God. You can think of Moses with the burning bush. What I want to do is I want to not talk about individuals. I want to talk about corporate encounter with with God. So I'm going to tell various Bible stories of corporate encounter. So the first one is this. It's quite small, unfortunately. This is from from 2 Chronicles chapter 5. And it's talking about when Solomon is in the process of setting the temple up and he brings the Ark of the Covenant, which is what the Old Testament people believed was representing the presence of God. It says, when the priests came out of the holy place, for all the priests had consecrated themselves without regard for their divisions, and the Levitical singers, Asaph, Heman, and Jebuthen, uh, their, their sons and kinsmen, arrayed in, in, white, in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres, stood east of the altar with 120 priests who were trumpeters. And it was, the, it was the duty of all the trumpeters and the singers to make themselves heard in unison, in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with the trumpets and the cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Then the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. So the priests could not, could not stand to minister because the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. This is an amazing story of the presence of God coming. And if I'd known it was going to be that small, I would have had better glasses on. <laughs> glory. Maybe we pray for healing later. But this wasn't just a once off. Just a couple of chapters later, uh, when Solomon dedicates the temple, there's a long prayer of dedication. And then as soon as he'd finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offerings and all the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the, on the temple, 
they bowed down with their face to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, for he, for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. This is, this is not just what, now my PowerPoint has disappeared, okay. So, so it's not just one, one encounter, it's a repeated encounter. God doesn't expect to come just once for all, but he wants to live with us, to encounter us again and again. And just in case you think this is an Old Testament thing, now my PowerPoint's not working because Chris has been fiddling with it. Could I have, there we go. Alan's favorite chapter. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Something we're very, very familiar with, this, this passage. But then a couple of chapters later, and so the disciples are praying. They say, and now, Lord, look upon the threats and, and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Notice that God is answering their prayer exactly what they prayed, to speak the word of God with boldness. It's God's plan, and it has been since the beginning of Genesis, to dwell with his people and to have a people for his own possession. Not just individuals, but a people, a gathered community to, to come where he wants to be in our midst. These are stories from the Bible. We could, we could, I could have told you many more. But these all happened far, far away and long, long ago. So let's think about stories from more recently in our own... Uh, well, we, before we do that, let's think about four ways to prepare. <laughs> Seamless. Seamless. So I wanted to look through, through the, those, those four passages. There's a, there were four themes, um, that help us to pray. We can't make God come and fill, fill the temple with, with smoke or with the Holy Spirit coming down. We can't make Him do anything. We're at His hand, in His hands. But what we can do is we can prepare ourselves. We can make ourselves ready. And there are four things that I, I, could, I picked out from those passages that seem to be themes that run through them. They're unity, worship, prayer, and consecration. So again, Alan was talking a bit about unity last week, so I'm going to pick up on that. So elsewhere, he talked from, from John 17 about unity, but I want to pick up a little different passage through there, and actually, I was very, very pleased when when somebody mentioned this uh, when we were looking at this on, on Wednesday in our in our community. The, the glory that you have given me, this is Jesus speaking, Jesus praying. The glory that you have given me, that I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, 
and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given because you loved me before the foundation of the world. There's unity and God's glory among us. In this passage, Jesus is inextricably weaving them together. And it's really important that we have unity to see God's glory. We read, or we we heard in the, the Old Testament passage, all the people were gathered together. On the day of Pentecost, they were all gathered in one place. Now, we know unity doesn't necessarily mean we all agree with each other all of the time. But that it means that we are all together with each other in the presence of God. So unity is a really important uh, first step in order for the presence of God to come. Worship and prayer, I'm going to link those two together because in some ways they're different aspects of the same, the same thing. Worship and prayer, these are, these are ways that we communicate with God, that we relate to God, that we come into His presence. So in the, in, in the One Chronicles passage, um, we, we saw amazing worship, uh, that 120 trumpeters, just, just, just think for a moment, 120 trumpeters. We've just sung, let the church live loud. 120 trumpeters, that would be loud. And probably, it's very hard, I think, for trumpets to be in tune with one another. I think it would have been quite interesting. <laughs> 120 trumpeters, let alone all the sacrifices and the smell and the, the burnt. It's, it's just beyond our belief. But anyway, so, um, where were, where were we? It, all Israel brought the Ark of the Covenant to the Lord with shouting to the sound of the horn, the trumpets and the cymbals made, made loud music on harps and lyres. Well, I guess our, our equivalent now is that, that lyres are essentially guitars, harps are like a um, they sort of hor- if you put a harp horizontally, it becomes a, a keyboard. Um, we've got we've got cymbals, we've got trumpets. Sometimes we have Lucy with her saxophone. That's probably slightly better than than, than 120 trumpets. I don't know, but but we have worship. Worship is a place where we encounter the glory of God. And and just before the day of Pentecost. Um, all the disciples with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Now, I'm going to be telling a few stories a little bit later about some of the answers to prayer that we have seen over the last couple of years. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, well, lots of people could say, oh, well, that was just coincidence. So this is a great quote from Archbishop William Temple, that when I pray, coincidences happen... And when I don't, they don't. Go figure. So prayer is both a connection between us and God, but it's also us seeing his purposes and his plans worked out among us. 
Consecration. Now that's a, a word that we don't use very much. And I, while I was reading this book a few months ago, this passage just, just, it just explained it to me in a way that I had never quite seen before. So I wanted to share that with you. But consecration is all about um, making sure that Jesus and his ways are they, are, they, they are primary in our lives. Everything else is cleared out of the way. So it could be we consecrate our finances by tithes and offerings. We consecrate our time by making sure we devote our time to, to, to Jesus. We, we um, gather together, we study his word, we pray. There are many ways that we can consecrate ourselves. So let's read what, what Jordan Seng has to say about this. Consecration refers to the way we dedicate ourselves to the things of God through specific sacrificial acts. The more of ourselves we set apart exclusively for God's use, the larger our capacity to flow in God's supernatural power. To get a bead on this idea, it might be helpful to think about the context, uh, contest of the kingdoms that Jesus often uh, described, the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of the world. In this constant struggle, the power of heaven flows best through places that the kingdom of heaven has already conquered thoroughly, places in which heaven has gained unimpeded right of way. It's similarly helpful to find ways to, to find ways to clear away our worldly activities and our fleshly concerns, like blocking off a highway from everyday traffic in order to create space for a special cargo to move. We live in a very busy society. We have all sorts of stimuli coming at us all of the time. And it's very easy for those stimuli to crowd out the presence of God. It could be the, the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp uh, bombardment that we all get. It could be whether the, the things that we like to, to devote ourselves to, maybe um, whether it's strictly or, or uh, Downton or Top Gear or, or uh, Bake Off, all these things we get totally wrapped up in and it crowds out the presence of Jesus. But if we devote ourselves, if we consecrate ourselves, that, that gives space in our lives for Jesus to come in. And, and that's what consecration is all about. Notice that the priests had consecrated themselves before the glory filled the temple. And we have been praying a lot for revival. We've been getting words that revival is coming. Revival is going to take a lot of work and it's going to take a lot of time. And if we are not consecrated then we may miss it or we may be too busy for it and therefore it may go somewhere where people are consecrated. So let's, let's be in unity with worship, prayer and let's consecrate ourselves, let's devote ourselves like a highway that's cleared for the special traffic to go through. So let's talk about stories 
from our history. We talked about stuff that was long, long ago and far, far away. I've been gathering stories of what's happening. And there are three people who are in or have been in our Emmanuel community who when they were talking about the story of how they became a Christian, there's some common themes that come through them. And these are from perhaps the earlier days of the church, sometime in the the 80s or 90s. But the stories, they all sound the same. They were invited to come to the church, to Emmanuel, as a non-Christian when we were back in the carpet factory, which probably half, more than half the people don't remember here, which is scary. And, and as they came in, there was, there was some worship where there was an incredible sense of power and the presence of God. And that was just all consuming. Somebody preached, they had no idea what the preacher said. But there was something attractive and powerful about this worship. So somebody said, come to the front. And they found themselves at the front, even though they were not even expecting that. Became a Christian there and then, and have not looked back since. This common theme. This is what I want to see. Not to, not to reproduce what we used to do, but to have something that's fresh. And for now, where when people come in, that there's a, the sense of the presence of God among us is so tangible that it changes lives. Worship that leads to salvation. Other stories. So there's slightly obscure scriptures there. That was just a, a, a reminder for me. So back in 1994, this is just before Chris and I moved to Durham, the church that we were in then We decided, or the leaders decided, that we were going to go through the Bible in a year in the sermons. Now, there are 66 books in the Bible, and there are 52 weeks in the year. So a little bit of juggling, like getting all the three Johns, or all three of the Johns in the same week, and some of the minor prophets, you can basically do a book a week, roughly speaking, and that's what we did. And as we were reading Joshua, so I guess that would be some point in February, there's the story of, of Caleb who, who says about, about the inheritance of Caleb. And he says, Lord, give me springs of water. And I just felt God had, God had highlighted that to me, uh, that I felt the church was in a very dry place. Interestingly, I didn't, I didn't actually say anything on the Sunday. I just was just like, oh, that's interesting. The next week, we're reading Judges, the next book. In the first chapter, the same story comes again in Judges 1.15. So at that point, I, I, I shared that with the church. It was only a few months later that, that what we know as the Toronto blessing or the refreshing came. And I don't say that it was because God spoke to me, because he was doing it across the world. But there was, there was a season in our life, in the, in the church's life, where we experience the presence of God regularly, every time. Lives were changed. Now, this is 28 years ago. If I look around the room at the people who are under 28, they won't remember it. Even the people who are quite a bit older probably wouldn't remember it because they were too young. I believe it's time that, the, that we had another refreshing from, from 
the Holy Spirit. Times of refreshing. They've happened in this church. They've happened here and now. Over the last year or so, two years or so, there's been, I would say, a a resurgence of healing among us. We've seen lots of prayer for healing answered. And I'd like to ask Tracy if she would come and tell us her story of what happened just a few weeks ago. It's, it's already been recorded and is on the website, but Tracy is going to tell us live. Good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, um, I came along to an evangelism evening on the 7th of March, and um, Raj was uh, the guest speaker on this, this evening. And um, when I walked in, um, there was a piece of paper at the front on the speaker in big letters saying, I am. And I thought, oh, that's a bit strange. And I haven't said this on the video, but that was really significant for me because um, in January, I'd been going through so much um, things with, uh, I felt like I was in a, a time of Oz with me, roof tiles flying off all the time in the storms. And I was... When I pray to God, I write it in a journal, so I've got some uh, notes as well, but I, I write to him, and um, I said, I don't know how I'm going to do this, and how I'm going to do that, and this, that, and the other, and um, anyway, I'd, I was in this conversation, and I heard the words, well, I am, and I said, well, I know you are, and I actually woke up, and I thought, oh my word, have I been in front of God, Um and I kind of just parked it there, but that was the, the reason why the I am was actually significant for me. Anyway, Raj had turned around and said when she was doing a, a, a talk, um, she turned around and said, uh, there was another couple of key things, that um, she, she told a story about a man who had one leg longer than the other, and they actually prayed for him and for his leg to be extended and this was a, a miracle at the time and it actually happened and um, I was like oh that was a bit strange because I've got one leg longer than the other and I actually know this because I was um, I went to get fitted for my cleats for my bike and um, there was the, the guy had actually put my legs so I was laid on this bed put my legs in the air and he said Do you know you've got one leg longer than the other and I said well no I didn't actually. Um, so um, the me cleats were actually altered, so it stopped you kind of from rocking on your seat. So that's the the, the part of that. And and then she said, "Oh, if anybody's like we're going to be doing some healing tonight. If anybody's got any pain in the knee, um, if you would like to come down the front and we'll pray for you." Um, and I'd been having this trouble with it's. I'm sure it was from my hip, but the pain was going to my knee. And it wasn't an intense pain. It was just that aching feeling that you get. And in, when I was in bed trying to sleep, I was having to roll back another way because I constantly had this aching in, in between my hip and my knee. So I thought, well, it doesn't, go, it doesn't hurt to go out for prayer, does it really, to the end of the day? <laughs> so I thought, all right, I'll, um, I'll pop out. So I waited to have a couple of moments. And um, she also spoke about a, a time that was quite traumatic in her life, you know, and she was kind of blessed. And um, so I was having a chat with her about a few things, and I said, oh, I've got this 
pain in my knee. So she said, well, on a, the scale to like zero to 10, how intense is it? And I said, well, it's not like that. It just constantly aches, but it's keeping us awake. And I'm going from one night to the other to the other. I'm just getting tired and tired. So she said, right, we'll, we'll pray for that. And so she, she prayed for that. And then she, and I said, oh, it's interesting you mentioned about that man with the longer leg. Cause that's, that's me. I've got one leg longer than the other. So she said, well, would you want to like sit, sit, sit yourself down? We'll, we'll pray for that as well. So I basically, like when, when I kind of get prayer for something, I don't always expect immediate results basically I know you know some things take a little bit longer to to sort out and I thought right well a a start of prayer to extend my leg might be really nice so anyway she sat me down she raised my feet up and she had hold of both heels and I had these boots on and there was a significant centimeter difference between one leg to the other so and she says oh like she said oh yeah you have so she started praying and then she prayed for God to extend my leg and I had to blink because I physically saw it move to the extent that both heels were then level and I still go home even like I still check it all the time I put my heels together thinking have I just seen this um but no it has happened I've now kind of got both legs equal to the other Thanks, Tracy. So this is not a story from far, far away or long, long ago. This is somebody we know and love from a month ago. God's active. He's doing stuff among us. And could I have my PowerPoint back? Um, Because over the course of the, the last two years during the pandemic... I've been, we've been praying in our Emmanuel community and I have seen consistent answers to prayer in a way that I, I don't think I've seen for years. I just have this sense of God is answering our prayers. Prayer is one of those things that I told, said we need to do for preparation. So I've just, uh, I will, because we, we have an email group and so I went through the emails we've had over the last two years and so the, this is just a small selection. We've had new jobs or promotions for several people in the group, people who needed employment. We've had many difficult work situations resolved, people being stressed about work situations. We've had healing for many family members and people in the group. One of the people who I was, I was hoping might share today was... Um, we somebody had a word of knowledge. We we prayed uh, for, about his knee, and it was healed there and then, instantly during our our group meeting. And he was so enthusiastic that he started gardening the following week and and pulled his back. So we prayed for his back the following week. So, but we've had numerous numerous healings. We had a, a member of the group had a family member, a sister, in a very traumatic situation and was able to, uh, to help her sister escape from that traumatic situation. It was really quite 
severe, severe thing. So, and also two, I remembered it happening once, but by going through the emails, I found it happened twice. Two friends of members of the group had had a family member in hospital where they were basically told they're going to die. And in both cases, we prayed. We were not the only people praying. And in both cases, they made a miraculous recovery. The, tr- the treatment started to work and the, the people were sent home. This is the God we serve. Remember Archbishop William Temple. When I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. These could all be coincidences. But I would like to believe that they're not. So what I want us to do now is I want us to come back into worship and that's a clue for the band to come back. And I want us to to come and ask God to come by his spirit to come and touch us and and that we will go into his presence. I have no idea what he's going to do. I've, I've been feeling that everything I've said is what he's been telling me. And then it's always come to this like, well, then we just let God, God take over. Okay? So, for many parts of the church, today's Palm Sunday. And we hear of, in that story of the, um, of the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And there was a huge emotional reaction among the crowd. But that same crowd had the another emotional reaction of crying crucify only a week later. We're not interested in an emotional reaction. We're interested in an encounter with the Holy Spirit. So it may be that some of you have never had an experience like that. You don't know even whether you have a relationship with God. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you, if that's you, um, some of our people who are uh, ministers in evangelism will, will, will pray for you sort of over towards the back there. And for everybody else, if you want to encounter, have an encounter with God, there's plenty of space down the front. I'd like to invite you to come as we, as we worship. If you're feeling slightly nervous because there'll be lots of people gathered together and it could be a place of infection, well, I want you to just get out of your seat because there's a physical, physically responding to these things is very important. So let's come back to, my PowerPoint's disappeared again. Um, so let the, 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 the quote we had earlier, no, could I have my, okay. Okay, so we want to go all the way through to the end. Okay, so this is the passage we had earlier, and the song we're about to sing is is talking about that. The priests could not enter the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down, and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their face on the ground, on, on the pavement. And they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For his good, for his steadfast love endures forever.